0: Hey friends, did you know that you can come hang out with me in real life? That's right. The Work In Podcast and Savage Grace Coaching makes its home in a boutique studio space called The Loft Yoga and Wellness in historic downtown Spring Valley, Ohio. This hidden gem of the Miami Valley is nestled in between Dayton, Columbus, and Cincinnati. As a part of my mission to bring a legacy of resilience through movement, each month you can join me for a hike on the bike trail, followed by a free trauma-informed vinyasa class back at the studio on Main Street. Go to savagegracecoaching.com to see the calendar and join my newsletter, A Yoga Life on Main Street, to stay up to date on all the latest studio news, events, and gossip. And now... On to this week's episode. It's time to stop working out and start working in. You found the Work In Podcast for flupreneurers and their health conscious clients. This podcast is for resilient wellness professionals who want to expand their professional credibility, shake off stress, and thrive in a burnout-proof career. With conversations on the fitness industry, movement, nutrition, sleep, mindset, nervous system health, yoga, business, and so much more. I'm your host, Erica Thomas. I'm a resilience coach and fitpreneur, offering an authentic, actionable, realistic approach to personal and professional balance for coaches in any format. The work in is brought to you by savage grace coaching bringing resilience through movement action and accountability private sessions small groups and corporate presentations are available now visit savagegracecoaching.com to schedule a call and get all the details hi there everyone and welcome back We have been working our way through five categories of health with our Cat 5 Challenge. And today, we are diving into Category 4, which is the nervous system. Last week, we discussed some of the overlap of the nervous system and sleep, which is our third category. Um, Actually, sleep should be number one for everyone. And we talked a lot about why sometimes It is so challenging to get that sleep piece in line. And along those lines, we touched on how we are looking for ways to help the body feel safe enough to be able to relax into that parasympathetic so that we can rest and be close to other people And today, I want to discuss how playing it safe all the time can actually keep you in a state of protection, hypervigilance, and anxiety. So this is the nervous system piece, which I think is key to all of the other pieces of our health in those five categories. So let's get started. The body is constantly on some level of alert, even when you're feeling completely calm. If we're conscious, our nervous system is activated in some way. Now, it might be in very positive, engaged ways, like when we're excited about something or when we're feeling joy or the, in the fun of competition. Or maybe it's negative, like a conflict at work or a looming deadline or an acute injury or illness or things like that. And everything along the spectrum of human experience activates the nervous system in some way, at some level. It's how we interpret those experiences that have the most Influence. That is one of the ways that we build resilience by doing things that activate and challenge our nervous system, recovering from that activation and learning that we can do hard things. It's in the recovery and returning to our baseline, whatever that might be, where that resilience lives physically mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. In other words, it's in that change between that higher activation and our baseline, the delta. The next time then that we are exposed to something that again, challenges that nervous system that challenges us in any way, physically, mentally, emotionally, all of those different ways that we can feel challenged, then it becomes easier for our system to respond. That's not to say that it always responds well, it's just learned that pattern and Our response, our reaction to those things then starts to become this normal for our brain and our body. And it's only normal for the brain and the body. It's not necessarily correct or right or the best thing for us, or even the healthiest thing for us. All it is, is the the way that our brain and body has learned to respond to those things and it has somehow um, allowed the brain and body to feel like, yes, this is us. This is the easiest way for us to survive this situation. That's it. So now let's talk about a little uh, side um, influence here, because if the cultural and societal interpretation of a particular experience is that it is somehow unsafe. Now our own personal security system, our own nervous system has to to add that into its own um, interpretation. It has to decide the truth of that. And uncertainty will always fall on the side of threat. Uncertainty is always threatening for the brain, for the body, for the nervous system, everything. That is why we are still, we're still dealing with the stress and trauma from the pandemic, from our exposure to COVID. Throughout the pandemic, we were asked to do things to stay safe, to keep other people safe. We're asked to isolate, to mask, and social distance, to lock down, to shut down, and to retreat. And we were being asked to look at everyone else, maybe not explicitly, but definitely implicitly, to look at everyone else as threatening to our health and safety, and convinced that we ourselves were a threat to other people. Government was passing laws to reinforce those ideas, all in the name of staying safe. And every single one of them was rooted in uncertainty because no one, even the scientists and the medical community, as we know now, none of them knew what was actually going on at the time because this was something brand new At the same time, there were layers of cultural ideas that were showing up on college campuses and in our uh, cities across this country that we somehow needed something called safe spaces that had nothing to do with our physical health. These were places where supposedly you could go to never be offended or never have your thoughts or ideas challenged because that was somehow threatening. As if anyone who thinks or acts or lives or looks or speaks differently from you is a threat that you need to protect yourself from. So here is a little bubble for you to live in. Can we all agree how crazy that sounds when we say it out loud? Now, In pain, in pain care, and in trauma informed spaces. When we work with people whose nervous systems are constantly under assault from chronic pain, illness, PTSD, anxiety, or depression, we try to give the body more evidence of safety in order to allow the nervous system and encourage it to shift out of that hypervigilant state long enough to feel something new. To replace that automatic faster than lightning stress response with something that feels a little more effortless, a little easier on the system. And every time we are able to do that, the brain and the body learns that maybe it isn't under threat. Maybe it can come down for a bit. In the process, we get to give the brain new meanings for the sensations that we're experiencing and replace those with that. We're replacing that protection within the body with a sense of presence. The social idea that we need to stay safe undermines this resilience. Trying to stay safe all the time only keeps us locked in a hypervigilant state of protection and anxiety. What we should be striving for is to teach ourselves and our children how to handle the physical, mental, and emotional sensations that come up in normal day-to-day life so that when big, bad, capital T, traumatic things do happen, and they will because we're human, (laughs) we can then meet them with true resilience. So I'm talking about self-regulation here. Most of us have never really been intentionally taught how to self-regulate. We do learn it though. We learn it by watching our parents, watching our teachers, uh, watching our our religious leaders, we learn it from our peers, it shows up in our life, in how we eat, how we treat ourselves and others, how we arrange our work life, the kinds of hobbies we have, whether we're using drugs or alcohol, and any other of the hundreds and thousands of different choices we make in any given day. Anxiety and depression are a leading cause of self-harm among our teenagers these days, and people are blaming social media. And yes, social media is a problem, but it's just another thing that makes us feel things. It has an influence, just like hanging out with your friends has an influence, Now, when I was a teenager, it was magazines and music lyrics that had adults all up in arms. But those things were not as intrusive as the social media influence that we have today because of how we live in this virtual world. It's just not in our hands all the time. And Honestly, that isn't going to change anytime soon, but what can change is how we learn to self-regulate or that we do it at all. So if we want to build resilience for ourselves, for our children, we can't play it safe all the time. We need to push and stretch our comfort zones a little bit and actually practice self-regulation out in the wild to play a little bit with those butterflies in our stomach. I heard a great um, way to think about this from someone. Um, They said that, yes, we're going to get those butterflies in our stomach, but what we need to do is get them flying in formation. How cool is that? So here's how we can start that process using the ABCs of resilience that we've talked about here in the past. Awareness, boundaries, and connection. So first, we want to step out of our box, our comfort zone box, and this Begins with awareness. So we need to acknowledge that we have a comfort zone, right? And to know or notice things that are fall outside of that box. Trying something that you're not sure that you can do and being okay with being bad at it. So this exercise hits on a lot of different things. Our fear of failure, our fear of being wrong, our perfectionist defense mechanisms, our fear of being embarrassed, all of those things, because they make us uncertain, all of those things look threatening to the nervous system and feel unsafe in the body. But because we are choosing something that falls in that category on purpose there is a sense of, well, you can stop at any time, right? So yes, this is going to feel uncertain. This is going to feel a little scary, but you will be okay. And so that's part of that stretch. And it pushes us right up against our boundaries those boundaries in this exercise will help us leverage our expectations. So the beauty of this is then when we're doing this scary thing or this thing that we're choosing, we can actually allow ourselves To think about what our expectations are about it. And I know that in our yoga practice, we try to let go of expectations and there's a, there's good reason for that. But sometimes it's interesting to just ask yourself, well, what is my expectation? About this, what is it that I believe about doing this thing that I've never done before, that I've always felt like is outside of my reach? What is it that I'm expecting to happen? Right. So if so, I'll give I'll give an example here. It's the it's the easiest way to explain this. So if I decide, let's say that. Um, I want to step out of my comfort zone and learn how to belly dance. Now, this has always sounded really fun to me. I still have not done it yet. Um, I'm not a dancer. I'm not especially coordinated in that way. I've never felt really coordinated. And belly dancing feels pretty vulnerable also. I can be pretty sure that I'm going to feel foolish, a little bit out of my element, because of that lack of coordination, um, for the first few weeks or maybe months or maybe the whole time, (laughs) who knows, maybe, but in my head, that's a belief I have. Like, this is going to feel weird. Um, maybe the people, um, might feel weird to be around. Maybe it'll test my patience because I have a belief in my head that I'm not especially teachable except when I'm teaching myself, um, And, you know, I'm going to have to meet new people. Maybe maybe I will love them. Maybe I won't. Maybe it's going to be really physically hard. I have some potentially physical limitations that might come up. So these are all beliefs. They, They may be true. They may be false. I don't really know right now. But if I have all of those expectations, definitely some of them may turn out to be right. And some of them will turn out to be wrong, most likely. But this is where we're pushing those boundaries. Because if we just come up with those ideas about our expectations and then we don't act, now that boundary is being reinforced as something, oh, here, this is something I can't do. Instead of something I might be able to do. And so what we want to do is push through that boundary a little bit, stretch that boundary just beyond where we think we can go. That's how we grow. And then we correct the hypothesis. And this is where the beautiful connections start to happen. So the resilience happens when our brain and nervous system make adjustments to those expectations, you know? And they make new connections and they unlearn old ones, not necessarily instantaneously. This does not happen in real time as you are participating in whatever this new activity is. That part, that piece, those connections happen when we sleep. That's really where the brain takes um, all the things that we've learned and tries to integrate them. And then the bigger piece is unlearning these things that we were wrong about these, um, incorrect hypothesis. And that's that connection happens in, um, deep and REM sleep. Honestly, I'm not completely sure. I think it's in REM when those, those, those things happen. So, um, because the brain is this incredible meaning maker, it will then let those new meanings in, replacing some of those old ones that we have, and influence how we react and grow in resilience going forward. And these are things that we are not necessarily going to notice right away. Like we're not going to wake up one morning and say, huh, I feel resilient today. No, it does not happen that way. But they are very subtle shifts in the brain. And where it might show up is in, um, in those physical, physiological reactions coming from the nervous system. Now, not stepping out of that comfort zone only reinforces the meanings that we already have ingrained in our thought patterns, in our physical behaviors, in our emotional reactions. It doesn't keep us any safer. It only makes us less resilient, less able to handle the tough stuff that life throws at us. Gabor Mate said, safety isn't the absence of threat. It's the presence of connection. And that connection starts within ourselves. So give it a go. What do you have to lose except all that hypervigilance and anxiety? So next week, we'll wrap up our five category series with an expanded discussion on connection beyond our own body. So thanks for listening today. If you like what you heard and you want to learn a little bit more, you can find all the show notes as well as links to our Cat 5 Challenge Tracker and other free resilience resources at savagegracecoaching.com forward slash the work in. Thanks everybody. And I'll see you next time.